Yo, this is not just your average MMA show, baby. This is Brothers in Combat with Serge Vicente and Darnell Giovanni. No need to fight. Just listen up and get it right. Brothers in Combat, baby. We rolling! Yeah! All night long. Boom. Boom. There we go. Welcome back to Brothers in Combat. You know who we are. We're the MMA Media's Tag Team Champions. We are the only ones out there. There ain't no more DC. Ain't no more Hawani. This is where you come to get all of your best MMA action of the week. Join your boys, Brothers in Combat. I'm your host, Serge. We sent it. Joined by my, my partner in crime next door to me. Where you at? What side? There he is. Yeah, Darnell Giovanni and Mystic Black. What up, dude? What up, Serge? We are back another week. Great fights this weekend. What's up, East Coast? Still on the East Coast. Still on my side. Still, still on the East Coast, man. We, we holding it down. How's everything going for you, my brother? All good, all good. It's enjoying this beach weather. No rain today. It is sunny outside. It was supposed to rain, but it didn't. And it didn't for a reason, because we got so much to talk about. Oh, man. You know that's what it is, man. Hey, do, do we, are we, can, we, can we take the... Are we the dynamic duo, the tag team champs, whatever they want to call it, fam? Yeah, that's what we... I had to let them know. <laughs> well look dude a lot to fucking talk about um we have we got all the mma action in the world to talk about obviously I, I think there's no doubts kings have been crowned we got you know shit going on in each and every major mma organization fam how was your weekend how did you enjoy everything everything was great i enjoyed the card on saturday i enjoyed the card on thursday uh, the Bellator card was okay. I, there was nothing too crazy on that card. Nothing that excited me too much. Uh, not too much of a big surprise. Paul Daly's, Paul, well. Paul Daly's fight was, was entertaining. The Paul Daly. Yeah, um, the Paul Daly fight. And Jason Johnson was, was and good. And Jason Johnson. Yeah. For sure. That, that was good, but it wasn't the best card ever. Uh, Bellator has had some really good cards. So I guess they had to slip up and have one kind of not too crazy, you know, an exciting card. But still, three Thanks. days of fighting. I can never complain about that. I love that. I, I can watch fighting every day if I could. Sometimes I feel like I do, but yeah, it was a great you weekend do. full of cards. And we had UFC 263, of course, on Saturday. Up top to bottom, amazing card, seven-second knockouts, new champions crowned, number one contenders uh, are now uh, crowned as well. There's a lot of things that happen. A lot of things that happen, man. Right. Fucking noodle, noodle arms and everything. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> we, we, we will discuss. So let, let's just go ahead, since we have so much to talk about, let's go ahead and jump on into it. Starting off, we're going to go ahead and kick it off with UFC 263. We're kicking it off in the main event. Israel, the last stop by the Adesanya, dominates 50-45 on all the judges' scorecards. Diggy, I'm going to ask you this. Throwing it to you. Has the UFC or has, has Izzy proved the doubters wrong to this point in time? Uh, for sure, especially the people that were doubting his ground game. Everybody was just like, oh, man, he's going to go in there. You're going to get taken down, which he did. But when he got taken down, was anybody expecting Israel Adesanya to reverse those takedowns and end up on top? He could have done in a sense of like pushing himself to the, to the cage and getting right up. No, he was reversing the positions and showing that he was working on his grappling a lot. Nice. And to the people nice. that said 50-45 was crazy for scorecards, no, it wasn't. And this is something that needs to be improved in MMA. If you get a takedown and you do nothing with it, you do not deserve a point. If you get taken down and the position is reserved, you, if anything, lose a point. 
if you are getting outstruck on the feet, you're not winning the round. You cannot tell me, oh, Marvin had him on the ground for this amount of time. No, but what was he doing with him on the ground? Nothing. 50-45 was nothing more than correct. I love that they scored it that way, and I hope they score it that way going forward. Izzy has proved oh, every single person that had a doubt for him wrong with this fight. I said it, we said it, that he was going to come back and show that his game has improved. Don't take that Blahovitz fights and think he's going to be like that in every single fight or that's some kind of game plan you can have against Israel Adesanya. I know he's going to keep getting better. He's still young in this game. We have to remember that. He is still young in this game. Even when John Jones asked him for a fight and saying, oh, why wouldn't you fight me at the end of this year, which was last year? And he's like, no, because I want to keep getting better, which I completely understand. That's what he's doing right now. He put on a great performance against Marvin Vittori, and mm -hmm. I think that it was a good idea for them to move him up in the pound-for-pound uh, rankings as yes. well. And he is now one of the most dominant middleweights in UFC, one of the most dominant middleweights in UFC history. I don't know about number one yet. Everybody has their own opinion, but he's definitely on his way. You know what's funny? And, and I was thinking about this. I'm glad you said this. A couple of things. We're starting to see, and if you look at Israel Adesanya in comparison to his first fight with Marvin Vittori, first of all, this fight was actually worse for Marvin than the first one. You can argue. I don't think you can argue split decision, but you can argue that he won that third round in that fight. But if we boil down to it and we look at this, Marvin's game plan was complete ass. It was terrible. He kept doing the exact same things over and over and over again. And he just doesn't seem like he's improved. It's something that we've looked at and we've seen. And one of the things that we've said in the past is that Marvin Torrey is a good fighter. He's very good. But he's not great at anything. He's not finishing anybody. He's not knocking anybody out. And one thing that really surprised me on this one, is, and really, and we're talking about the Jan Blahovich fight. Everyone talked about how Izzy, again, was just too small. So we looked at somebody who was as physical and as brash as a Marvin Vittori. We said, oh, he might be able to out-muscle, out-physical Israel Adesanya. But one thing that is that we have to really take into account, and all the haters and everything look at it, at 185, Izzy is so much more physical. He's more physical in the grappling department, and he's more active. In his guard and everything that he does, that rever those two reversals that he made and that one to get back on top, and even when he sat there and he he posted up and put the the rapist choke on my man's neck, and he was holding his ass down in the way he was, where Adesanya said he saw his soul leave his body, and that was impressive to me. One thing we're also seeing is that if we look at the first Adesanya Vittori fight comparison to this one, Adesanya does look like he's put on some size. His legs look bigger. His upper body, his shoulders are bigger. And I'm telling you, that's the only difference that anybody at 185 at this point in time, in my opinion, had. It was just out physical. He's getting to the point that he's fitting into this frame. He was some one of the guys that was small for the weight class. And yes, he only weighed in at 183. But now he's getting to the point that he is a middle, middle size to a bigger version of a middleweight. And I am telling you right now, if he is like that, there is only a matter of time till he goes back up. To uh, 205 to go ahead and grab that that championship again. Again, that's how I feel. Um, let me ask you this, bro. Do you have any other takeaways from the main event? Any other takeaways that I feel um, his his uh, friend is his, his teammate that passed away. Oh, that definitely, had some, uh, that definitely had an effect on him in a sense that that was on yeah. his mind. He got there early to watch Riddle fight, uh, Riddell fight. You know, there was a lot that I felt that was on his mind, and I feel. If that didn't happen, he probably would have finished Vittori at some point in that fight. 
Like there were certain things that he's usually very precise and Chris on, and he wasn't as precise. He still looked good, but he wasn't as precise because maybe that could have affected him emotionally a little bit. We talked about it in the, we talked about it before the fight. So that's something that was on his mind. So that was a big takeaway. And but Tori's coach getting very frustrated with him. Um, Rafael Cordero was frustrated. And, and I can definitely understand why he was frustrated with him. But Tori fights a little bit too emotionally. He definitely, you definitely can see that as he was in a cage. He just was just, yes. he wasn't flowing. There was no flow into his performance. It was just a lot of muscling around him, rage and force, no flowing. And Cordero's a guy who, have, who has a lot of these guys who are very flowy and they're better than that. And I guess Cordero knows that he is better than that. So it's going to be interesting to see how Vittori can recover from this kind of a loss and to see if he can ever even be up there within the top five of those guys. Because he didn't even fight too many guys that were ranked high besides Hermanson. And exactly, I, he says he wants to fight uh, Elvino next. Paulo Costa, book it. I'm down. I'll book it. But I'll definitely watch that. Well, let me ask you this. What do you think about Vittori not only thinking that he won the first fight, but after this fight, legitimately after the fight, saying that he thought he won this fight and that he thinks it's crazy. That was 50-45. Like, does this bold negatively on Vittori? Because to me, I think it does. It proves that what Israel Adesanya said is true, that he just lives off these losses and thinks he just can't get past them. He's not a okay loser. Just like Michael Jordan said before, it's the best thing you could ever do is fail. And you have to take some kind of, you know, stride from that, some kind of lessons from these losses and just not harp on him. And hopefully he's not still harping on this loss as well. I know he got back in the gym yesterday. He posted some video, 48 hours, 48 hours, mother efforts, and I'm back in here. I feel like he was talking about the fight still. He was still thinking about the fight. Did he take two, Did he take horrible damage in that fight? No, he didn't take horrible damage, but he's got to get over his losses. If he can never do that, he's going to have a very rough time in that division to the point where maybe he starts getting finished. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and here's the thing. Yeah, he might have been back in that gym 48 hours later. I saw you do those damn jumping jacks back and forth. We didn't see him collapse after that shit because we all know his legs were straight noodle. Adesanya <laughs> beat the brakes off my man's legs. Holy <laughs> shit. Yo, Adesanya looked, Adesanya looked good in my opinion, man. He went out there. I thought he... He looked like he never really even had to get out of second gear. He looked so comfortable. And he looked like he was at the point that he was enjoying just being in there. He was enjoying the crowd. He's enjoying kind of kicking this dude's ass and, and dominating him in specific positions. I think he was really getting joy out of it. And I think I definitely agree with you. I think if, if his boy wasn't on his mind, I think he might have actually went in there even more for the kill, even more so for the finish and treated him like he does Elvino. But um, let, let's, let me ask you this. He got to, yeah, he, Adesanya after the fight goes out there, he calls out the former champion, Robert Whitaker. Is that the right fight? Is that the one that should be done? When should it happen? 100%. I love that fight. Should happen probably closer to maybe, well, Robert Whitaker has enough time to recover now. Israel Adesanya did not take that much time, uh, did not take that much damage, period. And Israel Adesanya is somebody who likes to stay active. I'm yes. not the biggest fan of, of champions fighting like four times a year, but Adesanya is somebody that can do it. He says he wants to fight two more times this year. It's possible. They can do that in September. They have enough time to do that. They can set that up for a big stadium in New Zealand because last time they did it in Australia, and then now they should be able to do it in New Zealand, in Auckland, where Israel Adesanya resides. I know he's originally from Nigeria, but 
where he resides now. They get that in a big stadium. Part two, Robert Whitaker has a better mindset now because he was burnt out last time. I think it would go differently, maybe a little bit more competitive, but I still see Izzy beating Robert Whitaker. But Robert Whitaker 100% deserves that. He's still been yes. fighting after that loss. He's beating contenders. He's not just fighting anybody. He's beating contenders, actual contenders. So Legitimate I think it's a right fight to make. They got to book that one. Do it in September. We got a plenty of time before that. Let's see it happen. Let's see it happen. No, I'm with you. Let's see that happen. That is absolutely the fight that needs to be done. And for everybody else in the weight class, here's the thing. It's getting scary because I think at this point in time, it's head and shoulders. There's two guys in that weight class that the rest of y'all just can't fuck with. And it's Robert Whitaker and Israel Adesanya. And I think you're right. I think that fight is going to be different, but at the same time, it's going to be the same because I still think he knocks his ass out. It's going to be more competitive, but it, it's I can't wait. I still can't wait. Two best fighters in that weight class, I think, is going to be dope. But there was a championship fight that I don't think a lot of people expected. I think you might have, but I think a lot of people didn't expect this shit. I know I didn't. And I ain't talking about the baby face. The baby assassin himself, Brandon Moreno, goes out there and stops Davidson Figueredo in the third round via rear naked choke. He ends up doing it, you know, what is it, two minutes and 26 seconds into the third round. Absolutely, from pillar to post, dominated this fight. It wasn't even fucking close, in my opinion. Some people did have the second round. One of the judges had the second round going to, to Figueredo. Brother, I'm going to toss it to you first. Your thoughts on this matchup and the win and the domination by the baby assassin, Brandon Moreno. Big congratulations to the baby assassin, Brandon Moreno, guy who was on the Ultimate Fighter, got picked last, went in the UFC, two-fight losing streak, came back, won the LFA Flyweight Championship, came back. I think he lost his first fight back and then went on a streak. Went a streak. I think he he didn't he did I think he won his he's he hasn't lost since he got back I mean, to the excuse US. me. He got a draw against Oscar Oscar. Yes, uh, yes. In his, in yes, his comeback fight. And then he went on a streak, fought Davidson for the title, went to a draw where people thought Davidson won. He just got that point off for the, the nuts the nut strike. And then comes back six months later and completely dominates a guy who has never been dominated in his career. All he knows is domination. What a yeah. what a performance, Brandon Moreno. Yeah, and I can tell from his confidence that week, I'm like, man, something is he's he's go he's gonna go in there and he's gonna fight his ass off. I don't know if he's gonna dominate him. I didn't think domination, but I knew he was going to put out a fight. And Davidson, Absolutely. the part that scared me was the weight cut. And we were talking Ooh. about this, we were texting about this. I'm watching the, the weight cut as we always do. I mean the, the weigh-in as we always mm -hmm. do. I'm just like, damn. Davidson, and they always put on the graphics of who's weighed in. Everybody weighed in. There was 15 minutes left. Davidson didn't, didn't weigh in. 10 minutes didn't left. No Davidson. Five minutes left. No Davidson. I'm on the verge of texting you. I don't think Figueredo is going to make weight or make this fight. And he walks in with one minute left. to have the whole Body cover had to take all his clothes off to make that weight. And I'm just like, oof, this guy struggles to make 135. And he had a longer period of time for this fight. He had longer to, to make to, to make this weight than the other time. So that shows you this weight cut is not okay for him. And it showed in his performance. He looked slow. He didn't have that pop in his punches. He wasn't as agile as he as he usually is. Everything yeah. just seemed completely off. But Brandon, not to take away from Brandon Moreno, because Brandon Moreno was completely on in every facet of the way from striking to grappling. Anywhere he wanted to go, 
he took it there and that was very impressive by brandon moreno and they better put him on that, that pound for pound right now they better put him on that list because he deserves he, he deserves it, it. especially Absolutely. when you talk about davidson he deserves yeah. it. look man i'm with you 100 i i i was one of those people and i'm, I'm not i'm not wrong often but i was wrong on this one <laughs> I, 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 I honestly, I took the the nut shot point taken away last time, him getting taken to the hospital the night before the fight. I took all those things into consideration. And for me, it was like, you know what? He had he was compromised so much in this first fight. And if it wasn't for the, the point taken away, he still won. I didn't think within six months somebody can make that many adjustments to end up winning the fight. Now. Uh, I, I, I want to give all praises to fucking uh, Brandon Moreno. Dude, this dude's story is amazing. He is the definition of never fucking give up. You love this. He keeps fighting. He's a martial artist. And he is Funko Pops and all. Legos and all. This motherfucker is one of the good guys in the sport. He is the one of the color commentators for the UFC and in their Spanish broadcast with Chico Vera and Ponzinibbio Santiago. He, he's doing all of these things that he's, he's giving him potential to be one of the biggest stars in the sport if he can continue doing what he's doing. Um, so before I get into that, because I think that's something that we should talk about next, because fam, he has all the opportunity to be a huge star in the sport, especially thinking about how big combat sports are in Mexico with, with pro wrestling and boxing. It's only a fucking matter of time. But dog, Figueredo though? It, I really felt like that weight cut compromised him. He was sluggish. He was slow. And it didn't look like... Do you remember that second Joseph Benavidez fight? Uh, yes, he looked the same on the first one, but specifically that second Joey B fight. There was... He looked like he wanted it more. He didn't look like he wanted it as much in this one. And the only thing I can point to is possibly the weight cut. Do you have any thoughts on that at all? Or like I said, we can also transition on the part. <laughs> it's weird. It's weird because right? like when he was when he was when he pushed Brandon Moreno in the, the first press conference, I'm just like, why do you push him? Like there's exactly. no beef between them. Like this is very weird. Like, what are you trying to do? So that just kind of shows you that maybe he wasn't there mentally or something he was trying to motivate himself. Maybe That's thinking Moreno right. will push him back for him to get upset. I don't know what it was. He definitely wanted more against against Joseph because he wanted that title that belt. He wanted an actual belt in his hands. But besides that, I don't know. I was just very confused by his mindset. Yeah. Very confused yeah. by his mindset. And I think I said this before the fight. I mean, uh, after the weigh-in, Davidson Figueredo is going to become another Henan Burrell, a guy who has a lot of problems making uh, making a weight and miss weight a couple times and just depleting their bodies to where their performance takes a big hit. And that showed yeah. in that fight 100%. So even if yeah. Davidson moves up to 135, you know the beast up there at 135? Some big guys up there. You were get, He was yeah. getting tagged up by Brandon Moreno. Brandon Moreno is not a guy who's known for his striking. No. And he was getting tagged no. up there. Can you imagine him at 135? He's going to have to figure something Corey out. Sandhagen? Yeah. He's going to have to either Duh. get a better nutritionist or just be more disciplined in those camps because clearly it's not looking good. Absolutely. And real before we transition to this one, I want to ask you, what do you think Brandon Moreno's star potential is? Huge. It's huge, especially just like you said, in, in Mexico. He's a Mexican-born champion. Cain Velasquez was not Mexican-born. He was just he was born in uh, Arizona, I believe, and his, yeah, parents, his parents yeah. are Mexican. 
but yep. he is yep. Mexican born. He trains in Mexico. He has his house in Mexico. Everything is down. He trains. Doesn't he, he trains, train here in the States? States? He does Vegas and Mexico. He has his, okay. he has a gym in Mexico that he trains in, but he does Vegas right. as well. I think he does syndicate with, uh, <laughs> with, uh, I think Funkmaster was there too. And all, and all those guys yeah. is it syndicate or is it, is a uh, extreme couture? One of those gyms. Extreme Couture. I think it's Extreme Couture. Maybe it's Extreme Couture, but definitely yeah. the gym in Las Vegas. But that he can be a huge name now, huge star. UFC can do a lot with him. They got to make sure they promote him correctly. And if they can do an event in Mexico, you got to put him out there. He would be. And look how nice he is and the things that he says and how amazing of a human being that he is. That can take him Absolutely. very far. So I hope to see him just, you know, progress and, and get on a big stage and become the superstar that he can be. Oh, dude, could you imagine a, a card in Mexico? Head of the Brandon Marino, Brian Ortega, Alexa Grasso. Like, you can put a Mexican, like a legit Yair Rodriguez. You can put a card together in Mexico because we're starting to get some legitimate stars in all the weight classes. So I love what I'm seeing. Um, this was super dope. Salute to the baby assassin, uh, the new flyweight king. Love it, man. Super dope. Uh, anything else you want to talk about with that fight, or you want to move on? Oh, I'm done. Let's let's move it on. Let's move it on. All right. Well, here's a fight that we had to talk about, right? Uh, and and this is one thing that I want to go ahead and I and I can go ahead and uh, and I, and I want to start with this one because this is one that I think a lot of us didn't anticipate and didn't expect. Leon Edwards. All right. Oop, wrong way. My bad. <laughs> Leon Edwards survives against Nathan Diaz. And the question is this, and, I, and again, I, I have to leave this one up because one thing I want to say is this. Leon Edwards looked great. Leon Edwards looked amazing. And for five rounds, Leon Edwards went out there and won, won the fight. He looked 24 minutes. He looked like the better fighter out there. But then Leon Edwards goes out there and whether it be overconfidence, whether it be fatigue. In the last round, he allowed himself to get clapped by Nathan Diaz. And Nathan Diaz is a dude who honestly, guys, look, he was losing every aspect of the fight, every moment, even to the point that, I'll be honest with you, I've never seen Nathan dominated on the ground in that manner either, which shows, and I've said this time and time again, I truly and honestly believe that Leon Edwards is the second best welterweight in the world right now. But here's the problem with Leon. Indeed, like I said, I know you, you, you've gotten on me about this before, but between Leon Edwards and his lack of promotion and allowing this to happen, he is allowing Nathan okay. to control the narrative. Do you think that in this fight, brother, I think at the end of the day, he lost the war. Because he allowed Nathan to control the narrative. Am I wrong on this at all, bro? Damn it, Leon Edwards. Damn it, damn it, damn it, damn it, damn it. <laughs> for how many rounds this guy dominated that fight, and for him to let that happen at the end of the minutes. fight, you were so close, so close, so close. If that did not happen, he would have had a better chance of saying, you know what, I deserve that title shot next. That ruined everything. That ruined the four oh. and a half. Four and a half rounds that he put in so much work into, and that he dominated Nate Diaz from grappling to the striking and everything that he that he did in that fight. 
And it now, and now when people think about that, all they think about is the last 30 seconds. That's all they, that's Damn. in their mind. It is very unfortunate, but this is the, the God honest truth. And, it, and I personally, and I said this to you previously, yeah. I don't know how much I want to see Leon Edwards versus Kamaru Usman. If you can't take a oh. shot from Nate, from Nate Diaz, who's not your strongest guy, who's definitely on the older side of his career, he's 36 years old or 37 years old, and for you not to be able to take a, a, a punch from Nate Diaz, I don't think he can take one from Kamar Usman either. And I, so, I, I just, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough sell now. It's a tough sell. I, I, it is a tough sell. It, it absolutely is a tough sell, but I, I'm going to play devil's advocate for Leon. I'm going to give Leon a little bit of props, right? And this is what I'll say about this. Nate Diaz, yes, he ended up hurting him, but this is, Leon Edwards is one of those guys that does everything technically perfect. And he, he's, he is known he doesn't make mistakes. He made a mistake. He let his guard down for a moment and he allowed Nathan Diaz to change up the pacing on him and catch him with a shot. Remember, the ones that hurt you are the ones you don't see. He didn't see that left hand, so he got clipped. And, and one thing about it is in combat sports, and I, and I, and I want fans to understand this and know this, it's part of the game. All of us get hit. Everybody gets touched. I don't care who you are. You're going to get rocked. Dude, Kamar Usman got rocked by Gilbert Burns. We see these champions. We see fighters end up getting rocked as part of the game. He was able to survive. He ended up winning the fight. So for him, I understand it. Now, I'll say this, and this is my case for Leon. Yes, it didn't look good, but... He is on a 11-fight winning streak. 10-fight winning streak hasn't lost in 11 fights. The only people in UFC welterweight history that have longer winning streaks than Leon motherfucking Edwards. Oh, shit, I'm breaking shit. Is the champion, Kamar Usman, with 13, is it? 12 or 13? And then we have George St. Pierre, who has 11 or 12. Then, then it's Leon Edwards. I literally think it's 10 for Leon, 11 for George, and 12 for Camaro. That's actually how I think the breakdown goes up. So how is it possible that somebody who hasn't lost since literally his second fight in the UFC, who has beaten the likes of Rafael Dos Anjos, who's beaten the likes of Nathan Diaz, who's beaten the likes of Cowboy Cerrone, who's beaten the likes of, um, oh, damn, I'm glad I'm blanking on his name, um, Gunnar Nelson. He's beating guys that people expect to beat him, and he's still doing it in dominant fashion. How are we not giving this dude the title shot? He has earned it. He deserves it. And at the end of the day, if we give him to Kamaru and Kamaru blanks his ass, well, fuck, he goes back to the end of the drawing board. But we've already seen Kobe, and in my personal, in my humble opinion, what the fuck has Kobe Covington done in the last two and a half years that has warranted him anything at all? What he's done is have the most competitive fight against the champion that is right now. I said in the last two years. I said in the last two years, though. Like, he hasn't fought him in the last two years. That shit was like two and a half years ago. Dude, that shit was years ago. Two years ago. A year and a half. I am not. I know you're talking about the domination performance. I'm not one to speak about striking. That's not my forte. I'm here to speak about who dessert who who's going to be more competitive for the champion you know after that performance i don't know i'm not excited for that fight like if they put that together somehow that comes together i'm going to watch it of course but i'm not going to be overly excited like when kamaris usman says uh oh, guess nobody deserves it 
I'm not in disagreement with him. I thought that was trash, I would, though. I, I thought that I, was weak. I am Super not. Weak. For the performances that Kamar Usman has been putting on, I am not in disagreement with him. I cannot disagree with him. And then we got, we got a, uh, I think, personally, here, let me get, let me put the camera here. Put the camera here. I think, personally, it is time for Jorge Masvidal against Leon Edwards. This is a, this is a, this is the best fight to do. Leon Edwards can gain a lot from this fight. You fight a big name like Jorge Masvidal, that's definitely giving you more recognition. He just fought Nate Diaz, and I definitely give Leon Edwards more recognition for sure. And then if he were to lose to Masvidal, he would only drop one spot. It's a win-win for him in this in this. I mean, it's not a win-win. It's more of a win, and you won't lose that much in this within fighting a guy like Jorge Jorge Masvidal. You beat Jorge Masvidal. That's going to give you more of a of a chance to fight for it. So a big name you need you need that Leon Edwards. You need this recognition because the fans aren't chiming for it. After that performance, still the fans are still not chiming for it. And this is the game that we are in right now. Give me Leon Edwards versus Jorge Masvidal sometime later on this year. We got to see a three piece in a soda. We, this it needs to happen. This needs to this needs to be configured because we still haven't configured that out yet. Dude, I. I see what you did there. I fucking see what you did there. That, I, I couldn't agree more. That's the fight to make. If he does not get the title shot, which I do believe he deserves, you give him Jorge Masvidal. Because here's the thing. If he does beat Jorge Masvidal and Nate Diaz back to back, he is undeniable at that point in time. And he can literally go out there and say, I'm the BMF. I literally beat both BMFs. I'm the BMF. I've beaten everybody. I've literally wiped out this entire other aspect. The champion wiped this side out. I've wiped out this other side. Let me fight him next. It makes perfect sense. And honestly, for the UFC, if they want to build up drama and they want to sell it, you put Kamar Usman and Kobe Covington as the headliner. You put Leon Edwards, Jorge Masvidal as the co-main for a big pay-per-view. Bro, Sean Shelby needs to call you up. Come on. Come on now. Come on now. Unless they're working something out with Jorge Masvidal and Nate and Nick Diaz, unless that's something that's coming up. But because you know Masvidal loves he loves big fights. He he likes yes. to be in big fights. But now yeah. Masvidal is that superstar. No matter who he fights, people are big gonna fight. watch. So yes. it's it's a big fight no matter what. So I think the Leon Edwards yeah. fight would be great. And can you imagine Leon Edwards beats Nate Diaz and Jorge Masvidal? He's the BMF that's now. Awesome. Now That's you're the BMF. You beat the guy exactly. who the BMF championship. Now you are the BMF. Exactly. Exactly. No, that, that's exactly what I was just saying. Like, I, I think it makes sense. He's the BMF now. Like, I'm the captain now. I'm the BMF now. I'm the and BMF he, now. He, I'm the BMF now. It's a better route for him. I think it's a better route for him because, as you can see, clearly Dana wants Kobe Covington to fight yes. Kamar Usman again. He's in love with that first fight. He wants to see it happen again. Kobe's training somewhere different now, too, so that might help him. He definitely looked good in his last fight with Tyron Woodley. He looked, he, he killed Tyron Woodley there. He did. He looked really good. good. I yeah, can't, he looked really good. I cannot deny, as much as I cannot stand the guy, he it, he did look better than his previous fights, especially in the grappling okay. category, too. Uh, uh, okay. Well, I, I will concede to you on that one. I, I do think, and I've said this time and time again, I think Kobe Covington has legitimate skills. I think Kobe Covington is one of the top three fighters in that weight class. I think it's it's hands down. But um, I, I I guess I'm looking at it in terms of I want new and fresh matchups. 
I just saw what the champion did to you. So for me, but here's the thing. I'll be honest with you. I think in what I've seen from Kamaru in that time and what I've seen from Kobe in that time, I think Kamaru dispatches with him relatively quickly also. I really do. I, I really think that's going to be a good fight. I think he's going to get rid of him. And then we can finally go ahead and do that one. And then here it goes. If you do get him, he does go out there and beat, you know, Leon. And he does beat Kobe again. What do you do with these champions? Because look at these champions at 185 and 170. Dude, they are literally starting to lap their weight classes. Do you what, what do you what do you expect? Because we already know Adesanya and Kamaru are not going to fight each other. What do you think happens with those two guys in their respective weight classes? Uh, if Kamaru Usman keeps dominating guys like that in welterweight, either you retire and just do you do your thing, or you go up to 185 to take take somebody take a top contender out, not the champion, because obviously he's not going to fight him. Take a top contender right. out, and then you can say, hey, I can win at 185 if I want to, too, so you can bounce around. Just like Anderson Silva did back in the day when he fought James Irvin, you know? Went up. I, oh, oh, I can win here when he fought Forrest Griffin. I can win up here. Best not you, you can do that. But I'm also, and this is this is crazy. I don't know what's going on between Ali and Usman, but I'm not surprised because Usman has made less money than uh, his competitors in his past Two, two out of three fights, he's made less money, which is crazy. I'm not sure what's going on financially makes, there. Makes zero sense. Usman met with mm, that that guy, that guy Markel, that guy Markel Martin from CAA down in Miami. I don't know what they're talking about. Maybe there's two, there's two brothers just talking together, but I don't know. There might be a little rift between Ali and Kamaru. I don't know. I don't know if it's a rift. I just think Kamaru might be thinking. Maybe I need to go somewhere else because Markel Martin, you know, who he, who he uh, managed for a, a majority of his career? Jean St. Pierre. Jean St. Pierre, who literally recently today told the, the media how much money he was making per fight, and he was making millions. People thought he only made 400000 No, I was making millions. Kamar Usman made a million his past couple, couple his past fight, but just a million. He should be making. Maybe 10 million, you know, multiple millions. So I don't know what's going on there, but I'm just saying, I guess we'll find out about that soon. All right. Well, I love it. Look, man, it, it was definitely a fight. So we, look, salute to Leon Edwards for getting a win and honestly still proving that he's a badass. We, it's been a long time since we've really seen him compete to get a full fight in. So it was good to see a full fight from Leon Edwards. Looking forward to seeing him in the future. But, uh, Let's talk about some old dogs before we before we move into some uh, madness. Uh, Below Muhammad goes out there, and honestly, we could just probably say since Damian Maya packing ended up winning 30-27, I thought it was a clear decision win for Below Muhammad. Finally, gets him into the top ten. He's rated this morning number nine. Congrats to Chicago's very own number nine. We see you, brother. Shy Town, stand up, Bruh. What were your thoughts on this matchup? Was it with a case of 43-year-old Demi Maya just father time hitting them, or was it Bilal Muhammad? It was 100% Bilal Muhammad for sure. He's been talking for a long time about how much he feels that he is a contender and he can fight these guys who are in the top 10. And now he's number nine, and now he's yeah. going to keep climbing that ladder. People were yeah. very like, oh, this fight wasn't great. Uh, and like, it was a very smart fight on the, the behalf of Bilal Muhammad. He didn't get, I think, got take down maybe one time. Damian Maya, first, if round. You look, 
first round. If you look at the record, Damian Maya has, the, I think he has one of the most takedowns in UFC history. Damian Maya. And, you know, everybody's just like, oh, he's a jujitsu guy. Yeah, but he can take people down. And he's done it his whole entire career, and he could not do it to Bala Muhammad. I remember nope. somebody talking about uh, Bala Muhammad's lateral movement and how that's going to make a big difference in this fight. Fight, And it did, as you can see. Bilal went in there, did exactly what he needed to do, got that victory, and now he's on his way up maybe to a future title shot. What do you think they do to Bilal Muhammad next? Do you think it's – for me, it's like I look at it and I'm thinking he's rated number nine. He's in a shark tank of a weight class. And here's the fucking crazy thing about it. He might end up fighting Leon Edwards next because Leon Edwards might end up being the odd man out. I'll be very mm -hmm. honest with you. We might end up having to see that fight. I think they need to make sure they don't miss his Bilal Muhammad train because besides uh, him being a good fighter, he's a very good commentator. He's got his really good, he has a really good show on YouTube. He's very yes. animated. They got to make sure they take adva advantage of the time they have with Bilal because he can provide so much for this company. And he's, he's, he's a Palestinian guy. You don't see too many of these guys I'm fighting. I'm glad you UFC. said it. You do I'm not so see happy too many guys fighting the UFC. So I think they need to make sure that they give him somebody, maybe give him a main event against Neil Magny. Uh, Michael Chiesa yeah. just got a oh. fight for that one. I think, I think Bilal versus uh, Neil Magny would be a great fight to do. Or who else is up there in that top top five or six? I don't, I'm not sure of the other names, but I think him versus Neil Magny would be perfect. The other one I would have said was Michael Chiesa myself, but yeah, he did he did just get a fight yesterday. Uh, it was yeah, with Luke. Uh, Luke. Yeah, which is a great fight. Nobody wants to, and I'm gonna be honest with you guys right now. I think people need to be careful for Michael Chiesa at 170. Michael Chiesa at 170 is a motherfucking problem. He's big. He's a great grappler. And he can control the pace of the fight. Dude, he's long. Fam, Michael Chiesa, if he gets through this fight, I would love to see a Michael Chiesa um, below Muhammad fight. But I think Michael Chiesa is one of those guys who's a dark horse. I said it before. I'm going to say it again. Michael Chiesa is a dark horse at 170. I think that fight with, uh, with Luke is great. I'm expecting Michael Casey to come out on the other side. I'm, I'm just saying. I think that dude is a fucking monster. His grappling is, is next level. Like, he's that damn good, man. Um, anything else you want to talk about with uh, Damian Maia? What, what's next for Damian Maia? Do you think that's it? He says he might want another fight if he gets one more. He wants a Nate Diaz fight, he said. Hit up those jujitsu con those contests, those submission underground. There's plenty of things for him to do, the quintets, the Polaris. There's so many things for him to compete in. Those like money. I mean, he's made plenty of money his whole entire career. So he's 43 years old. He has nothing left to prove. He's clearly not going to be a title contender anymore. Damian Maya is somebody that we appreciate, of course, in this sport. He did so much, especially for the guys within jiu-jitsu, to show that jiu-jitsu does work in mixed martial arts. Great career. We give him his yeah. flowers, but it is time to make that walk into another period, time period in your career. That sounds good. So what that means is he's fighting Jake Paul next. Ah. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. No, hey, but you know what, though? Yo, but if the, if the UFC does want to give him one more fight, and he did call Nate Diaz, a Diaz fight is kind of interesting. Kind of interesting. The jujitsu respect, but I don't know if, I don't know that's going to be a fight that's going to, Excite Nathan. I'll be honest with you. No, I don't. No, that's I don't not. Think he so. said it too. He's just like, I don't know how much I want to take a fight like that to where I'm going to try to get get pushed against the cage the whole time to get taken down. No, 
That's it. Nobody yeah. wants to see that. Nobody wants to see nah. that. No, nah, nobody wants to see that. But you know what else nobody wants to see? Nobody wants to see arms just dangling around <laughs> like like noodles. And holy shit. Dude, Paul Craig defeats uh, Jamal Hill via, they said T.A.K.O., but via arm dislocation. He gets him in a fucking um, a, a beauty. He pulls guard in the first round, ends up getting locking in an arm bar. Gets the arm bar, snaps the arm, dislocates it right at the elbow. The ref doesn't see the dislocation. And then he starts hitting Hill with fucking elbows. And then Hill's arm is beating Hill himself with his own arm. It's just hanging there, banging him back and forth, bro. Might have been one of the most disgusting things I've ever seen in my life watching MMA. What were your thoughts when you saw the arm pop? I didn't see the arm pop. I decided I saw it after, then I saw it dangling. I'm like, oh, he broke it, but I didn't see where he broke it. I had to watch a replay to see where he actually snapped it because sometimes that can happen and their arm is just maybe just turning or they're very flexible. But he, he I thought it was broken. I was just like, oh shit, he broke the arm in I, that I position. And 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 if we remember back in the day when Tim Sylvia fought Frank Mir and Frank Mir broke that arm, and Herb Dean was like, oh. the fight is over. If you see something break, you got to stop the fight. That is a TKO. That is not submission. Jamal Hill did not tap. Jamal Hill did not go out. I know it may, may have looked like he was out, but he wasn't. He literally couldn't move his arm. He couldn't move his arm because it was dislocated. So he was trying to, like, you know. He was still fighting. He was throwing punches. But he couldn't do it because his arm was dislocated. And big, big cheers to, to Paul Craig for going straight to the ground and pulling guard. When you went and pulled guard, I'm like, this has to be the dumbest thing that somebody can do. But it was actually very smart because I guess smart. he just figured out that Jamal Hill does not have that experience for on, being on the ground. And he's just like, you know what? I'm going to go to my bread and butter and do exactly what I know how to do. And I will take this risk, even if I get ground and pounded or a big shot comes at me. And he kept throwing his, 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 his legs up for the arm bar. And I don't know how Jamal Hill didn't catch that. Every single time, he kept catching the same exact arm multiple times and boom he caught him broke it that's what happens but jamal hill is still very young in this game he's got a, a big career ahead of him but kudos to paul craig who has been on the streak lately people used to think oh paul Craig's gonna get knocked out of every other fight but look at him he's going out here submitting these guys taking these guys out and he looks TKO good and another... fucking Shogun yeah we might have another contender on our hands here at light heavyweight dude i i was impressed by paul craig um the way he wrapped that arm up First of all, he must be fucking gorilla strong. Like, as strong as he is, the way he wrapped that arm up. And if for those of us who do jiu-jitsu, if somebody grabbed an arm like that, I can usually pull my arm out. The fact that Jamal Hill wasn't able to literally get his arm out of that position, I'm talking about the wrist specifically, because Paul Craig literally just squeezed his wrist under his armpit to lock him in place so they can pull him down. It was really impressive. But it wasn't as impressive. As the clip that I saw of Paul Craig and Jamal Hill getting busy in the club afterwards. <laughs> After the club, boy, them two dudes was getting loose, man. They was in that mud getting it. I loved it. And that dude, that's why I love this fucking sport, man. <laughs> to have these dudes out here, they have beef all week. They were about to fight in the damn uh, in the in the hotel. They had an intense ass stare down. They had a an intense fight, and then afterwards. They get the boogie at the end, dude. You gotta fucking love MMA, man. You gotta fucking love it. It's just great, man. It cracked me up when I saw it, but 
Salute to Paul Craig, man. That dude is legit. Now, granted, have no fucking clue what he said on the mic afterwards. It sounded like a whole bunch of sound like Sean Connery and 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 all the British dudes rolled into one. It sounded terrible. I have no idea what they said. Scottish accent did speak very high, you know, when you when you hear when they speak it. <laughs> you need to work on your Scottish accent. <laughs> You need, you need, it gets, it gets, it just, it's hard, it's hard, I can't even do it, I'm good. <laughs> uh, yeah, you gotta get that Sean Connery, I can talk like this, and get your balls on, you know, he be sounding like he got marbles and shit in his mouth, Marble man, no in his mouth. who he's talking about, man, you know, he was talking, I was doing, I was doing Joanne Collywood, I made a mistake, yeah, they're both from Scotland, but one has marbles in their mouth, the other one doesn't have marbles in their mouth. Seriously, that's exactly what it sounded like, but yo, all in all, yo, the main card was fucking lit. I, I didn't put this on there, which I should have, but I didn't. Um, thoughts really quick, because this is the other fight that I really loved, was um, was uh, uh, Drew Dober and um, and and uh, fucking what's his name? From, yeah, Brad Riddle. Amazing fight. Yeah, Brad Riddell. What were you, for you, that was my fight of the night. That was my most entertaining fight that I was into. For you, what was your standout performance of the night? Standout performance of the night was my guy McKinney with that seven-second knockout. Took that Ooh. fight four days' notice. Flew from Washington to Las Vegas, uh, to Arizona. Took that fight against a uh, Matt Frivola, who's a guy who's very, very hard to. Oh, guy, oh, oh. guy was getting finished like that. Hits him no. with a one-two, knocks him out. Guy has an amazing story. I hope Joe Rogan actually has him on to tell that story. Turned his life completely around. Now he's in the UFC. Yeah. Made the big bucks. Get seven-second knockouts, and he's in the top five. Fastest knockouts in UFC history. He is part of history now. So definitely part of McKinney. history. I mean, I him out. Yo, real quick. So McKinney afterwards goes to celebrate. Looks like he blows his fucking knee out. Do you know how bad that shit was? He doesn't know yet. He did an interview uh, on Mike Heck's show and said he has to get it checked out. He said he has a very high, high pain tolerance. So he feels like it just, maybe he just overstretched something, overextended something, but He's gonna find out. X-rays are have not been done yet. <laughs> oh, bro, uh, it was bad, but he does have an amazing story. Um, much love to that kid. He hit him. He hit Frivola with the crispiest one-two I've ever seen. Oh, that one-two was quick. Right down the fucking point. Lot of mercy. <laughs> Lord of mercy, man. But look, all in all, like I think this is, this is a great card. I think card. from top to bottom, like you said, I think it really oh. it, it stood out. Yeah, please. What's Shout up? out to Lauren Murphy. Lauren Murphy with a good victory there. She has now five, five in a row. Lauren Murphy deserves a title shot. There's nobody else for her to fight. And she's had more dominant performances compared to other fighters in that in that weight division who get who get uh, title shots off of yes. split decisions. I know this was a yes. split decision win, but her other wins have been dominant performances, and I think she yes. deserves it. You got to give Lauren Murphy that title shot. Let's see it happen. Her versus Valentina. She's a bigger yeah. girl. I don't think Valentina has fought somebody in that weight class that big yet. So it's going to be very uh, cool to see. You know, I'm definitely going to be looking forward to that fight. And it's a different kind of uh, fight for Valentina, of course. I am always interested in watching the greatest female fighter in the world compete in Valentina Shevchenko. I, I, I'm excited to watch um, Laura Murphy. Congratulations. Now you will be sacrificed. That's pretty much what happens. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They're going to sacrifice her to the champion. Dude, I love Laura Murphy. I think she's gritty. I think she's tough. But you know what this fight showed me? Showed me she's slow. It also showed me that she, if she can't control you on the ground, she can get eaten up on the feet. 
I'll be honest with you. Valentina Shevchenko is better than everybody in that weight class in, in every aspect of the game. I'm happy for her. I want her. She deserves a title shot. She deserves it. And this is a spurt where people, I think, deserve title shots and aren't getting it. I hope that she gets it because she absolutely deserves this title shot. Yes, I've given I've given Shikagan these 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 title shots too many times. That's what that's gonna Serious. keep <laughs> Now granted, Kaylin is uh, you know, we're a fan of Kaylin because we know what she yeah. likes. So, but aside from that, title shots, I don't know. <laughs> Kaylin, hey, we Kaylin. love you for real. <laughs> be, be, you can be a guest on Brothers in Combat. Because you know you like brothers, but anyways, uh, <laughs> <laughs> all jokes aside, for real, we're not yeah. like dirty, nasty niggas. We 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 trying to have some fun. All right, um, anything else about this card you want to talk about? Because we do have a couple other highlights in MMA that we, I know we want to discuss. But we good with the UFC? Yes, sir. All right, let's move on. Bellator two sixty was also this past Friday, and I'll be honest with you, another fight that I didn't expect to go the way it did. The champion, Lima, loses to Asimov, gets dominated, literally 50-45 them, to take the 170-pound welterweight championship. Um, I was completely shocked. Brother, how were you in this? I don't know who was worse at wrestling, Kevin Holland or Douglas Lima. Oh, my God. Listen, both of you guys, go together, move to Dagestan, move to AKA, wherever you got to move. My Lord, these guys face wrestlers, and they just cannot do Anything, anything, anything at all. This is not the first time this happened to Douglas Lima. He is actually should be grateful that Ben Askren left the Bell Bellator because every time when he fought Ben Askren, Seriously. Ben Askren put him on his butt and he never can get up. Amasov did the same thing. Roy McDonald did it the first time that they fought. And fucking he the, the, the Russian kid, the other Russian, Russian kid, kid too. Um, fucking Gegard did. Gegard Korshkov. Korshkov. Korshkov did it at one point as well. He's got to learn how to wrestle. That's it. I got nothing else to say about this fight. Lima needs to learn how to wrestle. It wasn't the, the funnest fight to watch, but Amasov no. did exactly what he needed to do. Not, I, and I think they should do Amasov versus MVP next. That'd be fun to watch. Something I'm here for it. That I'm or, here for it. That or, uh, or J Jason Johnson. I want Jason Johnson personally because I think he's earned it. But I will say this. Amasov versus MVP, you can sell the fuck out of that. I think it is absolutely worth it. I think that will be a great fight to end up making in the very, very near future. Um, Bellator is 170-pound weight class. Welterweight is a nasty weight class. Um, yo, how do you like because Jackson and uh, and Paul Daly fought on this card also as a co-main event. They're fighting at 175. This isn't the first time that Bellator is doing like 175-pound or even 165-pound weight class. How do you like this? I don't like it because if there's no title, no. there's it doesn't the imply anything. It doesn't help the weight class. Doesn't help you your ranking in your in your weight class. Paul Daly beats him. You can't put Paul Daly in that ranking. He doesn't want to fight at 170 anymore. That's why he's doing these catchweights. Bellator is just allowing these things to happen because they can. Why not? But it doesn't help anything. I don't like to see catchweights if it's not for an actual title. Unless they're going to introduce a new weight class, which they can, which would be cool because they would set a standard with an MMA of having more weight classes. Cool. But if it's not for a title, I don't want to see it. I'll be honest with you. I, I, I agree with you, but I, I, I want them to make this a weight class. I, it, it should be 
125, 135, 145, 155, 165, 175, 185, and then let's just go for shit. Like, we can have fun after that. That is what it should be. Looking at these guys, looking at how much they look so much bigger and stronger in this five-pound jump. I wish you could see it. And then we can see those guys that are in those, those tweeners at 155, 170, fighting 165. It makes more sense for the sport. It doesn't make sense that we're not having all these weight classes. And literally the only reason that we're not having multiple weight classes and more weight classes in MMA is one and one reason only. Because Dana White doesn't want it. Because if Dana White actually wanted it and the UFC did it, the rest of the organizations would follow suit. Dana don't want that shit. That's why it's not happening. And I'll be honest with you. I think it's going. It's a detriment to the sport. I think the sport itself would even be better and would get even better matchups if we had those jumps. I think, we're, we're, I think as a sport, we're missing the ball here. We're missing it. We need to add more weight classes because if we do, guess what? What sells, guys? What sells? Championships sell. Why not have more champions? It doesn't make sense to me why they wouldn't do it. And it's only because Dana White does not want it to happen. I've said this time and time again. The, the MMA would not be MMA without Dana White. I will give him all the props in the world. But MMA will be better off in the long run when Dana White is gone away. I'm just telling you. I, I don't know. What, I don't know what to say about that. That's a hard one because of how much he does for the sport and how much he's. He does so done. much. He's he does so, so much. much. I don't know how much but he and, treats and, it and like a boys' club. No, he doesn't. The, that's my issue with it. He's is he's a business. He's a business guy. He's 100 percent a business guy. And and, he and, and he's he's gotten to where he is for a reason for sure. And I'm Absolutely. not defending stuff that he's done because I feel like there's a lot of things he's done that's very unfair to fighters. Yeah. Um, and media. Here's here's my thing with the weight classes though, and this is the last thing I'll say about that. Of course. Boxing has too many weight classes. I cannot tell you who, what weight is super welterweight. I cannot tell you what super middleweight, light, heavyweight, middle, medium. I don't know. There's too many weight classes. But for MMA, it doesn't make sense for there to be so much space in between weight classes. How is there too 155 and then you go straight to 170? It makes no sense. How is it 170 you go all the way up to 185 and then your lower classes, they only separate weight by 10 pounds? Just adjust the weights. I don't think you should add more. Adjust them. 185, 175, 165, 155. That's it. Straight up. We do not need, I don't think we need more weight classes. We just need to adjust the numbers. I do not want MMA to be like boxing because that's why sometimes boxing can be very difficult to keep your, your, your eyes on because you're just like, man, you move up three pounds and now you're a super junior middleweight. That's yeah, I, yeah, that, 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 that's those are three six pound weight classes. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I think that's that's asinine. But I think the reason boxing isn't getting it's I don't think it's it's I mean, it's a topic for a different fucking day. It's because no one fucking fights anybody in boxing. That's why yeah, that's that boxing, you know what I'm saying? Nobody fights anybody and it makes all these championships and then they're just handing fucking belts and shit out to them boxing. That's why it's as it, it doesn't fucking make sense. But aside from that, I, I hear you. I'm with you on that one. Uh but uh hey look, I, I would love to see extra weight classes added. Um, like you said, those 10-pound jumps in MMA, I think it will be for the betterment of MMA because I think we'll get better performances out of these athletes because they'll be hydrated the right way that they're supposed to be. They'll be the right size. And we'll be able to get more legitimate, you know, of those. Remember, we had, we had a long stretch of time in 2018, 2019 where everybody wants to have these super fights, right? 
if you have these extra weight classes in, the super fights will actually come to fruition because everybody will be relatively close in weight. Just saying. Just saying. All right. Um, last but certainly not least that we're going to talk about, Clarissa Shields, the self-proclaimed quote, uh, goes out there and actually gets a win in her PFL debut against Brittany Elkins, the three and seven um, brown belt, uh, plant jiu-jitsu brown belt. Not to shit on her, I just wanted to put a record out there. So she goes out there, she ends up getting a win. She was dominated for literally out of the, about 13 minutes out of a 15 minute fight. She was dominated on the ground, but ends up being able to tough it out, get top position and land some hellacious ground upon and winning the fight. Bro, the mystic one. Were you impressed by Clarissa Shields? There were some things I was impressed about, and there were some things I weren't impressed about. And I'll be quick. I'll be quick on this. Mm-hmm. For a girl who's only been training for the past seven months, for her to step into that cage that fast, I gotta give her credit for that. For her to step into that cage and put herself in positions that people wouldn't put themselves in, because she would get out from underneath and still engage on the ground. That shows you she wants to get better in those areas. I have to give her yeah. credit for that. A lot of other yeah. people are just like, oh, I'm out, I'm out of that. I'm going to go walk over there. I got to give her credit for that. Third round, mm-hmm. after being dealing with all that grappling, she wasn't even gassing. I got yeah. to give her credit for that. Where it's I, I don't give her credit for is the talk that she does too much. She, gotta, she has to relax on that because you are now want to know in MMA you didn't have the most impressive performance ever. You got to be careful with the words that you say because you got to have some kind of like respect for the other people that fight in this in this in this sport yeah. and that have she been doing it for that. a very long time. She doesn't yeah. understand. She, that does, yet. she doesn't understand. But she doesn't somebody, understand that. Somebody might make her understand. I don't, and I don't want to see that happen in a in a horrible sense. But I, I give her credit for where where she definitely took that that fight in, in that in that in those places. But we'll see what happens next. Concentrate yes. on MMA. Leave the boxing thing behind. You're not making enough money yeah. there. It's not fair for women in boxing to only have 10 rounds, not 12. Now you're in a sport to where you yeah. are as equal to men as possible. Stay here in MMA. Right. I was, I, I didn't, it wasn't the best performance ever, but kudos to her for even being in that cage. Oh, dude, couldn't agree more. Uh, I don't have really much to add about that. The only thing I have to say with it is that you're absolutely correct. Clarissa Shields. If you want to actually take this MMA thing seriously, you need to get rid of boxing. Retire from boxing. That's what top athletes do when they come to MMA. Adesanya was 75 and 5, one of the best kickboxers in the world. He left kickboxing to come to MMA. You know what I'm saying? You see it. Uh, um, what's it called? Um, the Serrano girl, Amanda Serrano. She's a, yeah, she, she, a guillotine, first round guillotine. <laughs> She's a boxing champion, one that can actually be called the GOAT. Because she has 40 wins, one loss and one draw in the sport of boxing. And then she came MMA. She gave it up to come over. You need to give up boxing if you actually want to be good at this sport because MMA is one of the sports that I can't dip and dodge. I, we can't all be Clay Cowley. I'm sorry. We can't. No. It's not going to fucking happen. It doesn't work. Um, salute to Clarissa Shields. Great win. Can't wait to see what happens next. Brother, with that being said, we're closing it up about that time. For everybody who's listening, this is episode 12 of Brothers in Combat, not your average MMA podcast. Brother, the mystic one, let the people know. Make sure you watch this show every week. The tag team champions of the world. 
It's the boy Sergio Vicente from the Five Podcast. Your boy, Mystic Black Darnell Giovanni. We'll be here every week, right here. Tune in. Peace out. <laughs>